Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It's 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us for the Cannabis Congregation. Today, we're joined by Jared Moffat from the Marijuana Policy Project to talk about what's going on with the cannabis industry, how the cannabis industry is adapting to uh, COVID-19. So let's bring him on and our co-host, me and Tom. How y'all doing? Oh, we're doing just fine. Hi, Jared. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, and happy birthday, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, how is Washington D.C.? Uh, I'm I'm on the West Coast. Um, You're on the you West know, Coast now. Yeah, I'm in the the Bay Area. Um, so I work remotely for MPP, but I, you know, our office is shut down. That you know, the way I understand it is, you know, folks are folks are folks are definitely not out and about. So everyone's working from home. Mm-hmm. Is, is MPP doing any uh, social gatherings online? I know, uh, like Cannabis Alliance, they're doing like their Tuesday cocktail hour. Yeah, we haven't. I haven't seen or heard any talk about that uh it's probably not a bad idea i think uh you know i can see the utility of it uh, seeing how long this goes on but uh no so far we've just been trying mainly focused with with this whole situation trying to get states to protect medical marijuana uh patients and access um so that's where we've been focused on and then you know just normal work and stuff can kind of chugging along Sure. What do you think would be like the best? Like, I think personally, home deliveries is the number one issue in all states right now. Like, that should be just if you have cannabis and and you know it's it's medicine. Yeah, yeah, definitely delivery, um, curbside pickup is helpful, uh, but mainly making sure that you know cannabis businesses are deemed essential so that they're not forced to close down, especially medical cannabis establishments, but. We're also trying to get all establishments to stay open just because a lot of people, you know, use medicinally, but they may not have a patient license or they may not, uh, you know, go to a medical dispensary. So, yeah, that's those are our big things. I mean, there's other stuff like with states with caregivers. We want to see, you know, an expansion in terms of what caregivers can do and and how many patients they can help. Um, So there's other small, small things like that. Um, But, yeah, just making sure that states are not you know, forgetting that this is an essential service for patients. That's what I love. I love how this has gone from Lance Glore getting arrested and incarcerated nine years ago to being an essential business. 
And so uh, that's that's fantastic, but it's essential. And then yet we still have people sitting behind bars at a greater risk of getting the coronavirus because they're just housed in there like dogs at a kennel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the other side of the coin is, yeah, we need to get these folks out, especially people, you know, who, who are being held for, you know, these very small, low-level offenses. It's, it's outrageous that we're, you know, basically subjecting people potentially to, 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 to death. I mean, you know, we know that this, this disease uh, can be deadly. And for folks who shouldn't have been in, in prison in the first place, it seems just unthinkably cruel. Um, so, uh, yeah, we yeah. had somebody from Texas on, uh, a judge from Texas uh, last week or the week before. Miggy, it was when you were traveling to pick your son up from St. Olaf because uh, of the quarantine and all that. And he mentioned that, you know, the sheriffs are still having a lot of pushback because when it comes to legalization of cannabis because they want to have that discretion to be able to say like, oh, I can do this policing now and then I might find greater crimes that are out there. So it's okay to just totally take somebody's rights. So their Fourth Amendment rights, you know, back when the Fourth Amendment mattered and about 100 years ago, uh, their rights for being free and, and being free from unreasonable search and seizure. And then suddenly uh, they start taking all your stuff and they throw you in prison and you're more subjected to diseases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, we just lost our first federal prisoner uh, behind bars so to, to the COVID the coronavirus. Yeah, to the coronavirus. Mm. Uh, and this guy, he was serving 27 years for cocaine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I realize cocaine is not the best thing in the world for you to sell. But where do you, I mean, one of the things that I really like about our discussions on how to uh how do we regulate this? What is the appropriate policy? And I really think that it comes down to, well, it should be the violation of like doing something that's not taxed. It's like, okay, you've, you've sold this thing. Well, that's a highly regulated thing and you don't have the license to do it. And we didn't collect the taxes. So, you know, there's a, there's a penalty for you selling it without a license and then you still owe us the tax so that it's just about money. It's not about, subjecting them to the inhumanities that are in the criminal justice system. And then we have to pay for it. How many yeah. thousands of dollars does it cost us every year as taxpayers for Lance Glore to sit behind jail or and, behind bars? And to top it off too, the, the guy who just died uh, serving 27 years for whatever cocaine, uh, he got a death sentence. You know, that, that that's it. You know, just like Richard Floor when, when he was behind bars for seven years, now it's Kristen's uh, uh, dad. Um, this our just moralistic bullshit that we have yeah. it's like well he deserved it because he did something illegal broke the law yeah, yeah. if you didn't follow the, if he was follow the law i'd be fine and, yeah you know and if, if you would have washed your hands and not eaten that weird bat in china we wouldn't have the coronavirus i mean if we're really going to start laying blame here right i, I, I yeah. don't I mean, that's just common sense, though. There should be a common sense to how we look at things, right? Like the drugs overall. Let's look at Norway. You know, they have no they had to take in prisoners from another uh, country just to fill in their prisons because uh, they do rehabilitation and and they their crime of uh, uh, what is uh, uh, their drugs are considered uh, uh, like misdemeanors, you know, so they don't treat, uh, you know, the uh, the user like a criminal out there. Um, it was just a little side fact that I read the other day. Yeah, treating yeah. users as criminals and regulating uh, moralities and making it crime as opposed to making it a treatable thing about addiction uh, is just wrong. And I don't yeah. understand why so many of the laws, except for like law and order, which was big. Man, Jared, back when you were just a baby, 
in the mid 90s. And so in the mid 90s, there was this thing called tough on crime and Bill Clinton had to do it. And that's one of the reasons why we had this huge uptick in uh, the arrests and the incarcerations, because I wanted to be tough on crime. I would support mandatory minimums, three strikes and you're out. If it doesn't fit in a bumper sticker, it doesn't belong in prison reform. You know, something just terrible. And so everybody's rights were just railroaded. And, and you know, the best thing about the mid 90s is we got the OG Kush train out of Florida. <laughs> And <laughs> in, in, in that same time, you're talking about the use of the word like super predator, you know, uh, you know, just because uh, uh, you live in a bad neighborhood and you decide this is the, how you're going to make income. Now you're a you're a horrible person opposed to like the businessman who's fucking everybody. Yeah. I mean, and they would use the, family law cases. They'd always yeah. try to be like, well, drug test them because they're smoking weed. That's that's endangering your child to use this thing that's safer than alcohol. Yeah. Jared. Um, uh, Tom made out a great point last time we talked that uh, right now legalization is out of stale because of this shit. You know, there's no petitions being gathered, no signatures. Is there anything right. that you guys are uh, doing? I mean, I know you're trying to do the advocacy part, but what else can you get? Can anybody help you guys? Well, um, you know, we're we're seeing that, you know, campaigns are trying to figure out what to do uh, in this situation. I mean, unfortunately, we're seeing on sort of the legislative lobbying side, we're seeing state legislatures, you know, kind of shut down. I mean, you know, in Rhode Island, which is a state I'm most familiar with, um, it, it, there's no sort of clear plan for when the General Assembly is going to come back and, and meet or if they're going to do some type of Internet uh, online, uh, you know, legislative process, Connecticut, which, you know, was looking really good uh, for legalization this year. It's, it's sort of railroaded everything in terms of that. And then, of course, on the ballot initiative side, it's just, yeah, it's, 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 you know, really tough right now to see these campaigns try to figure out how do we continue. And, you know, that's there, there are definitely conversations happening right now to try to adapt. And part Son of the problem is over there, <laughs> I, yeah. I will have a desk. Where you can approach it, and I will stay back here. Be like, my petition is six feet that way, sir. Please sign it. Oh crap, the wind! And then you have to go run after it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's really impractical. Um, and you know, people aren't out, and so you know, events are like you know, kind of the bread and butter for a lot of uh, signature oh, yeah. gathering themes. Oh, yeah. And so cannabis is a huge road show, and so like the trade shows in cannabis are ginormous, and and then. As uh, as a as a state as a ballot initiative state, uh, cannabis has helped those ballot initiative states make it more difficult for things to get on the ballot. So, like, we'll have a lot of people on. The person from Arkansas, I believe, was complaining about how suddenly, uh, from one year to the next, it required like ten times the signature that it used to require because of cannabis. And so, it's you know this this prejudice against this plant that's so pervasive, and and now it's. Yeah, I mean, like, there's more important things like doing nothing, staying at home, <laughs> living your hands. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's really we don't you know we don't the, the part of the problem is we don't know exactly how long this is going to go. So it's very <laughs> difficult to make plans. I mean, different right. states yeah. have different deadlines for for gathering signatures. Um, so you know, it's just a question of like what you know what's going to happen in four weeks. And Speaking of deadlines and what's going to happen in four weeks, uh, it was it was extended again. And so there was an executive order issued by the Illinois governor just yesterday, which is a difference because like usually it's the Friday news dump. 
that's what I'm used to, right? Before all this craziness, the Friday news dump, something would happen on Friday, and then that's where the big news is. But no, this was a Saturday uh, on, on March 28th. Uh, the governor issued an executive order continuing the deadline for the submission of the cannabis applications to the Department of Agriculture, so the growers, the infusers, and the transporters uh, for another 30 days. So now you have until April 30th to send by certified mail your uh, cannabis app, uh, cannabis license applications. Hey, Tom, do you think the, uh, this is the second extension? Uh, do you think probably part of it is because uh, they're not getting it? I just don't understand. At this point, they got to be flooded with applications. Why are they getting themselves more room? You know, what I, mean? um, I don't know, to be honest, like, you know, because like uh, the, the last two weeks were fine. And then uh, it would have been nice for like another week. But now I'm wondering, like, well, can I can I withdraw my sub application and have a more complete application after thinking about it for another month? You yeah. know, uh, because I was under the implication, you know, we were trying to submit for the first deadline, but then, nope, you're, you're not. And so now I'm like, OK, well, now I have another month. What if what if I'm able to raise another million dollars in capital or I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I hit every single page limit? uh that that's there so i have the most complete application possible you know sure yeah this whole issue raises a lot of new issues for every state you know right uh, you know back to my home grow issue or not home grow but home delivery if washington state would just get their head out of ass uh uh you know home deliveries for something that's considered medicine uh uh when you have people real people don't understand that cannabis does help with the immune system it does. It is medicine. It, you know, people think, oh, you're smoking uh, cannabis. It's just like smoking a cigarette. It's not. It's not. You know, Bob Marley didn't get cancer from cannabis. You know, this is not something that uh, uh, is doing worse to your body. It's, it is a necessity. It is a, a, for people who are sick with lower immune systems who need proper cannabis. And if they go to the store and pick it up and somebody happens to cough or, you know, we don't know so much about this freaking virus that it still can hurt somebody with a weakened immune system, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely. I mean, these are people who it's not necessarily about how it affects this particular virus, but how people have to live with this every day and to take a, take that away for them, from them. Uh, it's just not an option. I mean, we're, we're going to have to treat it like we treat pharmaceutical, you know, drugs. And, and that's also again, what we're seeing with this crisis is like it's not just the people who get sick. It's the people who have normal issues that come up every day, heart attacks, cancer, you know, that doesn't yeah. stop. Right. So, so we can't, we can't shut down the lifeline that those people have, um, you know, for that as well. So absolutely. Yeah, it's very unprecedented. And yeah, I mean, states are just having to figure it out on the fly. But fortunately, we are seeing a lot of states, you know, regard it this way as as essential. So but and they're regarding uh, cannabis, especially medical cannabis as essential. However, then you have the problem of, well, uh, for example, here in this state, in mm -hmm. Illinois, it requires a legislative amendment to allow for delivery of the cannabis. And so now is that something that the governor can just simply say, like by executive order, I'm going to allow cannabis deliveries? Or is that beyond the power of an executive order? Like we did that show and we talked about how Bernie Sanders, when he made that per, you know uh, claim that he was going to be able to do marijuana legalization day one through executive order. The distinction between saying like we aren't going to enforce this law until this day versus this law is now different. And so it, it's one thing to say we aren't going to enforce the law if it provides for delivery, uh, you know, 
but if it doesn't say that you can deliver or if it expressly prohibits delivery, uh, then can the governor say, OK, I'm going to legislate this difference now and we're going to make a substantive change. And so that's really one of the best parts about subscribing to Cannabis Legalization News. You get these little tidbits about the distinction between our uh, one area of our government being the legislative and the other areas of our government being the executive and where the separation of powers really edged, uh, or ends. Uh, so like in Illinois, it would require us to make a legislative amendment and that's been introduced. But as Jared was mentioning earlier, the legislature is not in session. So how do we adapt the, that law to help these people now? You just might not be able to. I saw a meme uh, the other day that said uh, uh, cannabis, people in the cannabis history are uh, all these different rules for coronavirus in each state. Uh, cannabis people are the most ones adaptable to it. I thought that was kind of funny just because everything's different, right? Each state has their own law and, and reason, just like uh, you guys in Illinois don't have the governing body like we do here in Washington. Oregon has the governing body, too. And, you know, just, we asked them for the homegrown rule. And what they did was, no, we're going to pass it to the legislature instead of just saying, yes, you can do it. So there's a lot of passing a dime, I think, when it comes to like cannabis laws and rules that right. people are afraid to say this is how it's going to be. But if you want to talk about alcohol, we could do that all fucking day. And it's the same thing with uh, the uh, so the the legislature is supposed to make the law, the executive is supposed to enforce the law, and the judiciary is supposed to say what the law is. But then you have the problem with the judiciary always saying like, "This is a question we will not answer," and they're just trying to push it back to the Congress uh, with a lot of their um, their their cases. So that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to fight this uh, cannabis legalization in courts, even though I think it's unconstitutional. It's difficult to fight it in court because courts are trying to avoid answering any of that question because they say it's a political legislative question and it's not necessarily a question of us trampling on all these thousands and millions of people's rights and taking all their shit. Where I think, you know, I disagree with the courts there. I think that we are supposed to be answering that question uh, because it has to do with, you know, uh, in the, the rights. Your, your rights are like up here, like a legislative regulation for uh, the commerce in, in a plant, which you have banned. That's your regulation of commerce in this plant. There isn't any, which yeah. is fucking dumb. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to curse on the air, but it's fucking dumb that the, the regulation of commerce is none. Yeah. Well, and I think it's because nobody wants to set a precedent, right? We're in a plead out type society where throw the uh, book at them. Yeah, but not just that. We don't want to go to court. We want you to plead out before we we're going to drain it out of you before you get a chance. You know, just remember like uh, Glenn and Peggy in Ohio. They've been have these charges over their fucking head for a year. Yep. You know, where's the due process? And now this uh, this this scenario that we have going on, they're not going to be seeing justice for another six months, at least if they do that at that time. Yeah, the courts are also closed. It's not just the legislatures that's closed. Like a lot of my law clients that I was going to be like, excuse me, law clients, I, I really enjoyed representing your interests in the court of law. May I help you find a new lawyer to do such? I need to be doing stuff for the cannabis industry over here. Uh, and, and so I have time now to find them a lawyer because the courts are going to be closed for another month. And then when they open up, they're going to be flooded and they're going to have to like triage that stuff to take the most pressing cases first, which are, I mean, the courthouses are still open. It's not like it's marsh. Well, it wouldn't be martial law. It'd be like the purge. It's not like the law is not being enforced out there. It still is. No, 
I, you know, I didn't, you guys maybe might know some other references, but people are freaking out about like the state rights and personal rights. But, you know, cannabis consumers have been getting screwed over from the get go. Uh, if you're familiar with Roger Christie, who was a uh, THC oh, Ministries, yeah. he served five years behind bars without court, uh, without uh, a trial, without, uh, uh, I mean, he was detained. That was it. He was detained. And then his wife, after the five years, she had to serve two years. So where's the justice that we talk about anyways? I, you know, all this shit, semantical bullshit to me, no matter what, you know, I'm just trying not to get sick over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, well, it's just too much. Have you guys, I, I haven't looked at it that much myself, but my understanding is the, the Supreme Court in Mexico, um, you know, there's a separate effort to pass legislation and legalize nationally, but the Supreme Court ruled, I think, in a certain number of cases that, you know, the use of marijuana was, you know, the, the right to sort of alter your mind uh, mm. and sort of have that sort of privacy, psychoactive, you know, privacy uh, was kind of the basis of their ruling um, that it couldn't be prohibited. And that was, I, one of the, yeah, that was one of the issues that we discussed with the judge from Leap uh, from Texas the other, last week was this right to privacy issue as to how that could also be a, a meritorious argument to advance to, uh, um, you know, seek the unconstitutionality of Schedule One cannabis. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that may or may not be. But then I think that just actually recently came out out of Mexico. I mean, it was one of those things where past month or two and then they said that you have i mean like the the and i haven't read it but i should probably bone up on that one because you know that would be awesome uh if mexico actually legalizes because you keep hearing it but then it keeps getting like kicked around so what happened with the the supreme court did they give like a date by the which time because does the court tell the legislature all right you can't do this change it or or how did it work no, I think the way, you know, again, it's been it's been a while since I was reading up on it. But my understanding was that the way the Supreme Court works in Mexico is you can bring a certain number of cases to them. And, it, you know, in so in the first few cases, there was an individual sort of claim that, you know, the government can't arrest me for, you know, using marijuana. That, that violates my individual rights. And they said, yes, we agree with you. But then that didn't really have any social wide effect because there wasn't that sort of threshold. There has to be a certain number of cases that they rule on. But once that happens, it didn't lead to legalization. That's why I think the, the legislation to pass, you know, sort of a, create a legal market is just totally separate from this. But I think it did decriminalize uh, marijuana and, and made it so that, you know, OK, you can't like throw someone in, in jail for possessing this. Um, you know, so it certainly I think has contributed to a sentiment though, public, you know, opinion, I'm sure is, is shifting as a result of, of that ruling. But again, it's, I'm not super familiar with, with what's going on there. It's just, it seemed tangent to, uh, or relevant to what we we're talking about. So. Oh, sure. Right you on. know, Mexican politics are kind of always going to be a, 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 a gray area because as much as people don't like to admit it, the cartel is a big influence onto their politics, you know, and, uh, yeah. cartels need yeah. money with legalization just straight up. And, well, they have to uh, turn to alternative goods. Well, they're, I think they're trying they're to way less like um, accepted socially than cannabis. Well, so like the cartels in Mexico, I mean, they still do shakedowns like in between point A to point B. Say you want to go travel uh, to different parts. Like I, I saw one when I was going to Puerto Nuevo when I was in Tucson. And uh, you'll go through these little checkpoints and, and then they pretty much just shake you down. They're, they're saying, you know, how much money you got on you? Uh, here's, you know, 
give me that two hundred dollars. Now you can make it to the next place. You're safe. Just let them know that you came through here. Mm-hmm. I mean, this shit doesn't happen in America. That's they're they oh, are strong. Come on. Well, like yeah. how much? Like, there's got to be some grift in America. I have well, to we think. do get our own road pirates, right? I mean, like sure. cops, the small town cops, and then this is why legalization is so important because we give power to all these small town little. That's yeah. the thing, like, and that's you know? what they were arguing in favor of their prosecutorial discretion. And I don't believe that our prosecutorial, disc- the prosecutorial discretion is there anyway. That doesn't mean that you make everything a crime so that you can lean on you for any good reason, for, for whatever reason. You know, yeah. you're supposed to lean on somebody for, for legitimate reasons and not just for like anything. So that's going to be interesting, though. And then we did pull up something. OK, and it's a it's a fairly recent one. What's really that? Um. Uh, yeah, this was something that I was we were just talking about. So Men- Mexico Senate suspension over COVID-19 puts cannabis legalization in doubt. Yeah. So we're coming up to the Supreme Court did put out a deadline and it looks yeah. like it's the April 30th deadline. So we still do have 30 days. But yeah, mm. it sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's even it's even derailing cannabis legalization internationally. <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody's got bigger problems right now, pretty much. Well, you know, I still want to. I hope that we can get the Safe Banking Act passed. That would be great. Uh, but what's that going to take? It's going to take Carpo to get his head out of his ass or Crapo. What is the name? What an appropriate Crapo. name for a politician, though. Yeah, yeah, Mike Crapo just, from Idaho, huh? Oh, oh, I didn't see that coming. I'm just um, saying. And then, uh, hey, Jerry, what did you ask okay. a question? It's, uh, you know, it's one of the, um, one of the guests, not one of the guests, one of the viewers. So Gary asks again, uh, what's going on with West Virginia's medical cannabis dose? Anyone even know or what? And so I don't know about that, but I know that, uh, West Virginia had an application submission window that came and went because it was, uh, February 19th. So they did take an application submission for cannabis medical cannabis licenses in West Virginia. Uh, but who knows what the scoring's going to happen now because of the um, uh, the coronavirus. So they did get that window closed. Mm. Um, you know, it looks like in Illinois, we might even have some delays with the scoring as well, which that would suck. I, I just think yeah. everything's going to be on pause for two months or so. You know, uh, everybody's trying to damage control the... Uh, uh, for first off, you don't want to be like New York or Seattle right now, <laughs> you know, and this is happening, though. Eventually, everybody's going to get sick. So we're just trying to curtail it, keep it out of calm. Right. Well, it's, not necessarily everybody's going to get sick. Uh, the, I mean, it's it's not like smallpox wore out because everybody got smallpox. True story. They were able to control it and then, um, you know, inoculate people over time. I don't know how long it takes to make a uh uh, a vaccine for a brand new virus, but it's not overnight. And so if you can just keep the number of cases from not growing. Uh, well, I mean, just saying, if they keep saying, pray it out. I think we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Anytime anybody ever recommends prayer, I'm just like, so you're not even going to give me hope. You just <laughs> prayer. Good. Well, Fingers crossed. dear Jesus, please help me put up with fucktards like this guy, you know, uh, and and then you just you try to leave without getting punched in the face. But you, you get punched in the face sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're in the Midwest. 
and say things like I would say uh, <laughs> when somebody tells me they're going to pray for me. I'm going to be like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for wasting your time. Just don't do anything substantive. Just good vibes, man. <laughs> Speaking of good vibes, have you guys seen a new Simpsons? Yeah, they had another one of the many medical, well, it's just this now full-on adult use uh, uh, situation. So the Simpsons have a storied history of doing uh, cannabis episodes that goes back to the mid-90s. Like uh, They actually had fish on when medical marijuana passed in California in 1996. And then Homer, of course, started using medical marijuana. And now, because Dredrick Tatum was a takeoff of Mike Tyson. Yes. The Mike Tyson character, Dredrick Tatum from The Simpsons, has a luxury cannabis brand just so it's art imitating life once again. And then Marge was working for it. Yes. The the Gateway to Hell episode or Highway to Hell <laughs> or Highway to Well. My bad. Highway to Well. I like it because that's the whole new thing now. Cannabis. It's a wellness trend. You know, it's good for you. It's an essential it. service. I gotta share this segment with you, bro. Just this this one, it's just it says it says a lot about the uh old school versus the new school shit. I wanna buy some pot. All right, pump the brakes, Jorts. Gotta ask a few questions first. Now, do you want a body high mm. or a front of the face buzz? I don't know. Just hook me up. Hmm, I have the perfect strain in mind, but be warned, boo. The couch lock is strong on this one, but there's like zero old school vibrates. versus new school. What, what are you saying? I just want weed. Okay, almost, weed, there, almost there. Now, listen, do you want this in flower, yeah. shatter, topical, uh, edible, nasal mist, I, eardrops? <laughs> Look, I just want to score a bag of swag from some dude who may or may not be a cop. I'm a cop. <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, good, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, there you go. And then it, it made him. It made him turn to drinking. That's the, <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Yeah, it's, it's just you know, it's, it's a crazy world when you think about like like we talked about before. I always thought like as a young kid, I can grow a seed and plant it and make some money. Uh, turns out I got to fill out some fucking regulation paperwork. <laughs> you got to do all sorts of things. And, and God forbid that we'll get a uh, copyright notice from the Simpsons. I, I would not be happy about that. I but, think we're good. That's why I put a little voice on it. We we are doing the artistic in, in Madden Practice, which is a clip. So you know, of course, we're advertising for them, right? That's the most there we go. important thing. That's so, uh, Jared, where do you think? Where was uh, momentum going into 2020? Because, I mean, the sad thing is it's almost 420, 2020, and we're all stuck inside, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, there's still going to be some, um, you know, some some activity this year. I mean, we've got South Dakota has already qualified a medical marijuana initiative and a constitutional adult use legalization initiative. Mississippi is going to be on the ballot. Uh, New Jersey is going to be on the ballot because the legislature is putting it there. And then I saw news that Arizona, the campaign is saying that they've turned in a sufficient number of signatures. So I think we're still so going like, to see progress this year, fortunately. Yeah. Um, maybe not as much awesome. uh, because of all this. But, you know, I think, yeah, I it, it's just people have other things on their mind. And, and that's the nature of working yeah. on 
an issue in politics rather than being like a whole political party or being some larger force. You know, we kind of have to deal with the way uh, the wind is blowing. Yeah. But that's great, though, that there's at least those three states have already uh, sorry, put it. Sorry, can you say that again? It, it kind of broke for me. Yeah. Uh, you're, no. you're frozen for me as well. I'm going to yeah. start moving with these things because sometimes if you just start moving the stuff, uh, it kind of fixes itself. So anyway, how's it going? Good. <laughs> I, I can I can hear you now. Yeah, I think a little I think better. Yeah, you see. So, yeah. And, and the other thing about the coronavirus is now everybody does this thing. And so, like uh, the for example, the webcam. The I have a, a cousin that's asking me about like, oh, where did I get the webcam to do this, and they're all sold out on Amazon now. So like wow. this webcam was like eighty bucks. Now you have to like try to pay three hundred dollars for it. Yeah, everybody's going virtual. Wow, the, the wow. options. Yeah, but then they're just drinking the bandwidth. It stinks. Yeah. But well, that's great. Three states are actually going to be on the ballot already. They've already qualified. So South right, Dakota, yeah. uh, New Jersey, and, Mississippi. and Arizona. Uh, and Mississippi? Mississippi is definite. Arizona, nice. they're saying that they have enough signatures, but the, the, you know, it hasn't been counted yet. So, so what's so. with Mississippi? Is that uh, ballot initiative medical? Yeah, it's medical marijuana, um, and I, I think they're going to have potentially two different initiatives on there because they, the state has a kind of a weird rule where the legislature has an opportunity to put a kind of a tweaked version. Once, once the signatures are met for a citizen-initiated ballot initiative, mm-hmm. then this, the legislature can put its own version on, which is what they're doing, um, which is a little concerning because people might get confused and only vote for you know one of them and, you know, We'll see what happens. But, yeah, it's going to be on the ballot for sure. Well, nice. uh, don't forget to tune in to special episodes of Cannabis Legalization News where we go over each one of those so that we can start explaining in more further detail uh, what is going to be put to the ballot and then how uh, those types of laws will actually go into effect. And we hope that, you know, because one of the things that I like to do is export Illinois' brand of it simply because I think that it does a good job of creating a lot of new little millionaires out of the people that were most hurt by the uh, cannabis prohibition. And so like in Illinois, they have it locked so that uh, you're not allowed to own more than 2% of the market. And also they have it mixed. So you're probably not going to win a license unless you have somebody on your team that has about 51% of your company, uh, somebody who was arrested or let lives in a bad neighborhood that was disproportionately impacted uh, by the drug war. And so you're going to create not just one guy who's going to then have a vertically integrated $80 million business. You've stratified the licenses and chopped them all up so you can get a transporter, you can get an infuser, you can get a grower, you can get a dispensary and be vertically integrated, but you need each license. So like that splitting of the licenses and that capping of the uh, market share and then the blend and the injection of the social equity makes the Illinois law something that I kind of like to... Tell other states they need to look into. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think the Illinois model is great, and uh, I think it's definitely yeah, kind of setting the standard much higher for other states that come after. Well, I think you kind of need it because as you uh, exhaust the ballot initiative states, then you really have to have the legislature come to the table and bang something out, Mm -hmm. and so you have so many various interests that are going to try to bang that out and to get the coalition that you need uh, to be able to have something in the majority to be able to pass and then also get signed by the whomever is occupying the the governorship. 
You have to do it a specific way. And I think that's the way that they were able to get it over the the top because they brought all those communities together and then that got the support for it. And then it got, well, Illinois was broke. That helped. Uh, and then it got passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Man, yeah. politics are sexy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different mix in every state, but um, yeah, I mean, I think people are, people look at the situation and go, how are all these other people making money off of this, but other people are in prison for it? You know, there's just right. a certain common sense level that doesn't make, you know, that doesn't add up for folks. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and, you know, I also like the idea of splitting the market up into a lot of different pieces to let everyone have a chance to compete instead of seeing, you know, what Ohio tried to do in 2015 and in, in this kind of concentrated uh model it's just you know it doesn't work it doesn't it's not you know that's not how markets are most efficient um you need competition you need uh folks to have a foot in the door so yeah i, I hope that you know that's kind of where i think a lot of people's attention is shifting is like how does this all play out not should we legalize or you know shouldn't we but how how do we legalize what does the market look like um so it's yeah i mean in the past 10 years it's incredible how much progress and how much the conversation has changed. Yeah. And I think the next 10 years are going to be just as much. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, keeping up like with, with cannabis time is really strange. Because like um, I turned around the other day and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, it was two months ago. I have no idea what was going on then. You know, it's just because you, it, the volume of it that you have to do and how complex the applications are and how tight the windows are. And so now I'm like, all right, well. Where's the next application window going to be? Mississippi, South Dakota, New Jersey, Arizona. All right, cool. Better start, uh, you know, creating content for that because people are going to be asking Google questions about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. Yep. How long do you think, at what point would uh, federal law or federal rules start being applied, do you think? At what point? Well, you have like the same issue where you have the legislative issue. And so, like, and then you have a, a larger area as well. And so, like, we had that guy on from Texas or I did, you know, you were traveling. But when I interviewed that guy from Texas, I'm like, Texas is like 10 years away from this. Yeah. You know, it's just so still nothing there. They, they just got hemp uh, and like they called it medical cannabis. And then, you know, it's 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 bad. And so like to get that to the level of where it is in Illinois or in the Simpsons there where they were like explaining all these various things. Yeah. So like in states where it's accepted, the, it's just light years different than in states where it's, it's not at all. And then you're talking about the entire nation creating, I mean, it's, it, they would have to pass it or they would have to create a budget that, uh, I don't, maybe the budget could, maybe the budget can't. I'd have to ask people that are better at staffing to, uh, to and drafting laws to get that. But, you know, could you just, because the only thing you have to do is to take a red pen and then you go, you see where it says marijuana in that law? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That, that, it's a very tiny amendment to a law. Uh, and so because of that, can you sneak that into a budget appropriation I don't know. You know, as, as much as Texas seems to be behind, uh, I just don't think a lot of times because it's all about the people, right? It's all about the citizens that we're fighting on, on the ground floor. I know Texas has a very strong um, uh, uh, in El Paso, uh, uh, normal organization of people fighting and also in various other parts of the big city. Uh, whereas you would think a place like New York, you would think, OK, they're ahead of the times, but. There's still people, still cops planting evidence of, of cannabis on on kids as of like two weeks ago. 
You know, so if anything, that's the one thing fucking the shutdown has helped. You know, less fucking planning of evidence from dirty cops. But uh, you would think that the states that have this uh, uh, open woke uh, uh, mindset, everybody would have that mindset. But it doesn't. The justice is not applied equally. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I yeah. still think Texas has potential. They're not all hillbillies. And I like hillbillies. You're right. They they have potential, but they don't have the um, if you look at cannabis legalization, like on a timeline where it's uh, the community at a localized level, like waking up from a collective lie. And so uh, the, the stages of that, it usually is decriminalization of cannabis, which they haven't even gotten in Texas. And then after that, you have medical cannabis. And then after that, you have adult use of cannabis because it's just one thing where the sky doesn't fall uh, and then another thing where the sky doesn't fall. And eventually you're at that thing with the Simpsons where Otto doesn't understand the world anymore. It just doesn't make sense. It's just too easy now. And um, that that whole thing might take 10 years, you know? Yeah, because Illinois did it in five. We decrimmed in 2016. Oh, actually, we passed medical before we decrimmed. Uh, And so. Yeah, we had a medical and then we decrimmed and then we finally went adult use. But that still took the whole thing five years. Well, you might see like South Dakota is going to be really interesting because um, if if that campaign succeeds, it'll be the first state to go kind of from zero to 100 in one election. Um, Because, I mean, they just they just uh, the governor signed a hemp bill, but you had to pull teeth to get her to do that. And, um, you know, so but they don't have medical, they don't have decrim and they could potentially have adult use legalization by the end of the year. So that bothers me with the impact of how it was in 1997 when uh, Arizona legalized medical and then it just got gutted by the legislature. So does the legislature have to go along with South Dakota to be ultimately successful? And if so, to what extent? Well, that's why it's a it's a constitutional initiative. So it's much harder to you know, to change or monkey with. I mean, they're going to be able to write the sort of rules of how the market is set up, but they can't sort of violate the essential uh, provisions of the constitutional amendment, uh, which is basically saying adults have the right to use this. um, You know, people have the right to sell it. And, you know, the legislature can impinge on that. And that's why you see these debates happen in a lot of ballot campaigns. It's harder to get a constitutional amendment passed. Obviously, you have to get more signatures. Um, there's certain other rules you have to look out for, but it's much easier to sort of once you win to keep it there and to make sure it's not um, altered by the legislature. So but in terms of like how all this is going to play out, I mean, you know, talking about Texas, I, I, I mean, I grew up in Mississippi and, and uh, I think until the 50s or 60s, it was still dry. Uh, it was still, you know, alcohol was still illegal. Um, you know, when my dad was born uh, or shortly before. And so, you know, it, it, you may see states go decades uh, resisting kind of the national trend. Oh, wow. But, you know, eventually I think you, you see everybody. I mean, and the thing is, they, they still had a thriving, um, you know, boot, bootlegger market. Um, it, it wasn't like it was, you know, even among sort of the elite, you know, sort of folks in the state. I mean, everyone was still drinking. Um, no, they weren't. It was a dry <laughs> county. Yeah. But it just goes back to show like we have a privileged history of prohibition in Mississippi. Why? It used to be illegal to do all sorts of things. And like they just kind of embrace that. And then it's it's not that they aren't allowed to do it. It's that they're doing it even though they're not allowed to do it. And that just makes it better. 
And yeah. so they need to set up their law like that. So if we can legalize in Mississippi, we have to figure out a way to criminal or like make it prohibit. It, it's it can't be called legalization. It has to be new prohibition. Yeah, where it's it's legal <laughs> to buy it. It's legal to sell it, but it's illegal to like it. You know. <laughs> yeah. But you know yeah, that situation. Okay. Oh, no, I was just going to say there is a little bit of nostalgia for for those days, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also I was saying that situation, too, where they were doing it, but they weren't. Uh, it's also we're doing it. But if you're poor and get caught, then, you know, you're the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. It, it's silly shit. Yeah, yeah, that but, tough on uh, the tough on drugs or you know tough on crime. That was a line that was blurred. But I can't believe that the uh, the budget analysis on that doesn't sway people. It's like, wait, this guy was smoking a joint, does literally nothing. What we got a beer, you know? And then okay, so now you want us to arrest him, and then we're going to spend thousands of dollars to prosecute him, and then we're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars to house this man, and then we're just going to have him. Because then he's going to have this blight on his record. So it's more likely that he's going to return to this area where we'll have to spend thousands of dollars more on him. Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I'm still trying to find the person to explain that to me. I don't think they exist, but uh, they're out there. And they will probably use slippery slope arguments or that it's illegal or, you know, gosh knows where it's going to end. Think of the children. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, in my, I guess, 10 years of, of being involved in this advocacy kind of movement, I, I think that almost always what people are saying is they're trying, like, who are against legalization is they want to shift the debate to is marijuana itself good or bad? Because people are always going to have different opinions about that. And some people don't like it. They have negative associations with it. And our job as policy reformers, the way I see it, has always been to get the conversation back onto do we like the policy or not? Because if you, if you find yourself debating whether marijuana is good or bad, that's just sort of like, do you like ice cream? Do you like, you know, it's just one of these things that you're not going to necessarily get people to agree on any rational basis. But if you can get their attention back on the policy, it doesn't make sense. Even if you hate marijuana, it doesn't make sense. Um, to make it illegal, just like the people who advocated for alcohol prohibition, these sort of uh, these women who were talking about all the problems that alcohol caused, they were the same people who came back and said, we have to repeal prohibition because they saw that it made the problem worse. It wasn't that they changed their views on alcohol, um, but they changed their view on the policy. That's a huge one too. The policy of the whole like decriminalizing amounts, you know, it starts with like, okay, we're going to let you not, ruin your life or under an ounce and then oh look the world hasn't ended under an ounce and now let's start you know having different attitudes towards the use yeah i think you got a great point uh do we want to uh go we so we have those two video clips i, I have them staged uh uh they're a delayed guy mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. what, what video clips are you talking about me so we got you know our our, our, our friends of the podcast uh uh we, we talked to the Green Panther chef and uh, to find out how this virus is affecting their businesses. And then we also have a THC staffing group with Danielle. All right. So, well, you know, first, before we get to those, I wanted to thank Jared again for coming on and his birthday and yes. uh, telling us a little bit about where MPP is on their, their issues. And it looks like there's still a little bit of an upside in 2020 in those four States of Mississippi, South Dakota, New Jersey, and Arizona. 
Yeah, not all is lost. So, yeah, happy to join you guys. And, uh, yeah, I uh, hope you guys stay safe and, and be well. You too, man. Thanks. Happy birthday, bro. Bye-bye. All right, all right, man. So why don't you roll this clip? So let's, we, uh, should we go with uh, the Green Panther Chef? or uh, Actually, I like the Green Panther. Well, they both have great insight. Uh, oh, wait, she's a wait. We're going to wait first. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm still pretty stoked about, about doing some content on Mississippi, South Dakota, New Jersey, and Arizona. Uh, those are going to be some good shows, so do be sticking around for them. Uh, all right. So, Miggy, roll the uh, – so unemployment is at an all-time high. We reached out to a friend of the pod, Danielle Shoemaker, to see if there's still a good time to pivot to the cannabis industry. Uh, I'll throw the well, video do up. Do you think this year is still a good time for job seekers to pivot to the cannabis industry? Well, with so many people sheltering in place, working from home, or laid off, I do recommend using some of your free time to research and plan. Um reflect maybe pause your previous career goals and kind of rethink what is more realistic for the next few years you know it and then uh so there's not just her but also uh, who else do we have lined up Hey, well, we also reached out to Green Panther Chef to see how they are uh, adapting to the recent changes that COVID-19 has uh, inflicted on them. So let's see what she said. Well, we have definitely made some pivots around the lines of doing a port side pickup where we make your food already prepared and you pick it up on the side of your porch, just like a, a grub hub or something like that. So these are the kind of little innovative things that we had to do to basically stay afloat. Definitely um, doing a lot of live virtual online cooking classes. Those are really, really fun. Awesome. Yeah, the live online cooking classes. And have you been invited to any like live gatherings online? Yep. Tons of them. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, my family got together last night. And so then I'm like explaining to them all this crap that I do on the Internet. And now everybody's doing it. So I am just way less special after COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's OK, though. I mean, I'm just glad that more people are catching up, that they can still be connected to people because of, of great tools like that. You know, it's good times. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, before we wrap this up, I'm going to tell them once again, uh, Bovida, and you can see the boxes behind me, to be honest. <laughs> Did you get boxes just like this? Yep, two of them. Yep. And you know what? They're full of. They're literally just full of these Bovida things. And so uh, I'm going to tell you, if you want to if you want to get one of them, uh, don't forget to email uh, Tom at Collateral Base or Lauren at Collateral Base, and then request a few, and uh, we'll mail them out. But those are also going to make great swag by the time that uh, we ever do return to the trade shows that are popular in the cannabis industry. Uh, they're so, Maggie, we should get you in some of those trade shows. You, you ever want to like uh, go to Vegas? Fuck yeah, dude. As soon as uh, as soon as the uh, Black Plague is over, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, because like all the stuff was supposed to be in 4-2020, which was, yeah, I know, right? Tuesday, April so Fool's Day. Oh, we're going to have such a great 4-2020. You're all going to be quarantined. Puff, puff, <laughs> no pass. That's yeah. what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, but then all these, uh, all these trade shows are now getting kicked till August. So, like, you know, uh, maybe in August, you'll be able to go uh, man a tent for us and do hey, a show. I'm all about it, dude. 
Nice. <laughs> hey, uh, before we sign off, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Chris Martin, his uh, um, movie is available now online on uh, Amazon Prime. So if yeah, you have that, uh, make me famous. Yeah, and this is this trailer right here. This one I know we won't get hit by copyright. <laughs> All right. Well, it'd be like, hey, man, we're telling buyers to right? placements no, from sorry. the time I was nine to the time I was 18. Yep. Yeah, I think you started three years. Well, like you saw, you heard him. Like it was just a, the juvenile aspect of it. I mean, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Past years on a medical Life. marijuana act, also known as the AMMA law. They were absolutely not skulking around the street corner like um, some backstreet dealer. The area that they were in is such a huge gray area of the law. I'm looking at 15 very serious films. I'm assuming it's going to go real, real bad. because haters made us famous or you know they hated us and did this awful stuff to our family we're still here they're still good after bad he's a survivor chris has always been a survivor what i learned about him he won't give up so that little raid scene uh that's how i started watching it earlier today and uh it really, it really catches you in in the beginning. Uh, I mean, if you ever been through a raid or any sort of uh, police incident, it uh, it can be actually a little PTSD type shit. But oh no, shit! You think that's PTSD? Then try to get convicted, have to go through the stress of being prosecuted, going to trial, getting found convicted, then having to go to prison for an undisclosed period of time, which you may or may not get out of. That whole thing just sounds like PTSD, like those poor uh, Cohen brothers that we had on that got entrapped by the NYPD over like 100 pounds of hemp and they yeah. threw them into a central booking for three days. What the f- what the heck is that? They can just throw you into central booking for three days. And don't forget, you're just like when we talked about Rogers Christie. He served five years behind bars with with with. Murderers and, 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 and rapists. You know, yeah, he's a little weird. People. Don't get me wrong. I'm sorry, Roger, if you're a friend of the show. I don't think you've watched. But, you know, he's in Hawaii, and uh, he didn't deserve to get thrown away for five years. Yeah, no, our, our system's all fucked. And, and the fact that people are freaking out now about, like, uh, them taking about your rights, um, that's been happening long before this fucking coronavirus. Oh, yeah. I mean, the this is the least they've been able to take our rights. And then, they've, of course, they've now taken all of our rights because we are gross. <laughs> People don't wash your goddamn hands. <laughs> well, perhaps. But is, is this, do you think the coronavirus and H1N1 is, is one more prevalent than the other? Is this just us now, like, being able to freak out a lot more than we couldn't freak out, when, like, even 10 years ago because we were less connected? No, I just think it was damn control is too late, you know, uh, like, like I said before, you know, uh, uh, to be vulgar, I said, uh, if dicks were falling off in Wuhan two months ago, three months ago, United States would be over there stopping that shit. But no, it would be because the flu, because it's a flu. We're going to wait. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's still about damage control at this point. You know, the, the they can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, all the other stuff. Uh, you know, that's where we're at. <sighs> 
But it allows for more online content. It does allow for more online content. And uh, I was working on one. I got one about uh, how to do valuations and to raise some funds. And so like we have a whole bunch of more products that are going to be coming online over the next few months uh, that uh, me and some other people are going to be writing up. And then, yeah, we'll continue to help spread the word and like help people get into the cannabis industry as much as we can. And then we're going to have four new states that we can help people in. So that's going to be awesome. Um, I was really looking forward for like Missouri, Pennsylvania, but you know, those ones will take some more time. Well, I think is, is, and as we show financially that states that have legalization are going to be stronger, I think than states that don't, because mm -hmm. we have another commodity, another network of employment, um, you know, uh, non exportable jobs. I mean, like yeah. growing is hard. It's not a robot that's going to be doing the growing. You're going to have to have somebody that's down in there watching the plant, clipping the plant, manicuring it, tying it up, seeing that it's. I mean, there's a lot of automation. Don't get me wrong, but you need humans that are doing it. And who's going to transfer that plant? And then who's going to also do the home deliveries because people don't want to get sick? The home deliveries, the uh, the trimming, the curing, the packaging, it's it's hands on work. You know, it's not something that's uh, a software or a uh, intellectual product like I deal in because those you can you can, uh, you know, spread all over the world. I mean, it's yeah. something that you actually have to work in that farm to get that gram to the person who needs it. Can't be outsourced. You can't outsource food. You can't outsource the grams. Damn right. Yep. And we're, we're well, actually, we could talk more about uh, Colombia and the international uh, marketplace of cannabis. You know, when we're going to be doing that. When's that? Uh, probably like 2024. I bet our shows then we're going to probably <laughs> be talking a lot about it. Yeah. Shit. They're making moves. What's that? Colombia's making moves. Colombia's making moves. Colombia has a storied history in, in the cannabis industry. I bet Mexico is going to make some moves, too, you know. Oh, yeah, that, that's definitely uh, been going on. I, I think it's just powers that be trying to stage themselves, you know. Totally. All right. Well, how do they get in touch with us? You know what they could do for me? They can, they can Google cannabis lawyer and then they're probably going to come up right smack against uh, that, that website. And then I'm also going to show them this other website that we have. It doesn't have near the SEO or the domain authority because it's a newer site, but, you know kind of how these things work sites take time to build i'm also going to try to do a bonus video later about how i think indica saved my life i want you to do that bonus video later asking about how indica saved your life let's see with the shajit on this i mean like oh, okay these are the newer ones then we should move that up if these are static you can subscribe to our newsletter there or if you have any questions i want you to go over to the cannabis industry lawyer site and then there's this search bar right here so you ask a question if it's not there then you know you can call me or contact me and say hey i'm looking for this and uh take that out but anyway thanks for joining us and uh lauren who do we got next week uh next week we have your perfect dose and they have a formula that is perfect for like uh figuring out how much cannabis dosage you can handle and you know what's perfect for you so we're going to be talking right. to them about their right. algorithm on wednesday uh yeah right. titration cool. see you guys good.